Well, thank you for that. And uh, it's such nice to hear, you know, to, for people to be encouraged. And um, praise God. You know, I feel this is a very sensitive topic that I, I wanted to speak about this morning. It's something that is sensitive to me. The Lord really has been dealing with me for the last um, couple of weeks about this. But um, so I just, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to use me to speak this morning in Jesus' name. Um, could we go to 2 Corinthians in the Word? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And um, um, I've just been hearing in my spirit uh, with the last few weeks, um, and, and one morning this week actually, I, I woke up out of my sleep and I often find that it's, it's then that the Lord just witnesses a word or something to me, but um, uh, about, the word was bereft, you know, about feeling bereft, uh, which is a form of, uh, you know, bereaved, it's where the word bereaved comes from, but um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'll show you this uh, from the NLT. In verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. You know that? That God is the source of all comfort. And um, I often think of that scripture in Isaiah chapter uh Oops, I've just forgotten what chapter it is. It's 60, uh, I'm not sure, 63 or something like that. And it says that, you know, that God has our names engraved on the palm of his hand. Can he ever forget us? And he says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. And, you know, when you see a, a mother uh, with that little newborn baby and, and they're so tenderly, uh, you know, holding that child and, and ministering. The mother, you know, nurtures that baby and loves that child so much. And um, so as God, you know, he, he has, um, and for many people, you know, maybe they've lost their mother or maybe, you know, maybe they didn't have that relationship with their mother. And equally in the same way, uh, the, the relationship with the father. And the thing is, is that, you know, God recognizes neither male nor female. Our society is very, um, you know, male-dominated. And, and certainly, you know, the man is the head of the home under Christ, where he's operating, you know, under the, under the, the government of God. Uh, but, you know, for many people where they've had a bad relationship with either their mother or their father, it messes up their, their ability to, to um, embrace the relationship God wants to have with them. And it's interesting, isn't it, that in Psalm 103, he says that the Lord, the God, that God is like a tender father. And in Isaiah, he says, you know, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Could I ever forget you? He says in Isaiah, even, you know, if, um, can a mother ever forget her nursing child? The reason, you know, that a mother cannot forget her nursing child is because that child is screaming their brains out looking for the food, you know. Ah! And, uh, you know, yes, the mother, uh, you know, loves this baby so much, but he said, even if she forgets you, 
Even if your mother forgets you, I will never forget you. Because he said, see, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. And so here, God is the source of all comfort. And I believe that I'm not the only one in this. You know, I, I told you before, I'll ever talk to you about is what the Lord's been dealing me, with me about. But I believe that it's pertinent for everybody because there's nobody going through anything isolated. All of us, uh, through different uh, means and, and, and manners, go through, uh, you know, various trials. But it's the same, often, very often, the same root cause. So he comforts us in verse 4, in all our troubles. He comforts us in all our troubles. We think we tend to think of comfort as just something that people need when somebody has died. But you know, the word bereft, it's interesting, we'll look at it in a minute, but um, it, it, it encompasses so many other aspects of life that maybe we didn't kind of equate with it or think about it. When we are troubled, uh, sorry, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So it, it, I'll read verse 4 again. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. And um, when they are troubled, when others are troubled then, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles. You know, and, and that's the thing, is that sometimes people think that it's only me who's going through these kind of things. That's a lie by the enemy. And he does that to isolate people to separate them from God and to separate them from others. And that's why people are very slow to divulge if there's something going on, an issue or a problem. It's like, you know, don't let anybody outside the family know that this is going on. Now, you know, there are certain, I, I certainly wouldn't be broadcasting and you have to be very careful about who you tell. But the thing is, is that even in the church, people are very slow to say, you know, when there's something going on that's, that's really causing them grief or conflict or, or oppression you know it, it, you know and it's it's so important for us to be able to share that because those things will weigh you down and burden you amen and so um god is the source of all comfort and um hallelujah let's have a look in uh, jeremiah chapter 31 god i'm not This is what I woke up with that morning. Um, why no breakthrough? Why is there no breakthrough? Um, I just heard that in my spirit. You know, that when somebody feels bereft, you know, that they can feel like they've been forgotten and, and left behind. Uh, it can make somebody ask themselves, what's wrong with me? You know, that's always the way the devil comes, first of all. There must be something wrong with you. You know, you're, you're just not, you're not a good enough whatever. You, you fill in the blanks. 
It can be, you're just not good enough at work. That's why, you know, they've, they've overlooked you. You're just not good enough in your marriage. That's why uh, your, your spouse has no interest in you or why things don't work out. You're just not a good enough mother. You're just not a good enough, you haven't been a good enough student. You haven't been good enough, you know, uh, in society to, to, to bring anything. So that's why nobody has any interest in you. All these things, you know, these are questions that the enemy will put into people's minds to drag them down. And um, just keep your finger in Jeremiah and just pop over to um, Proverbs chapter 13. Are you glad to be here today? Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, the Lord has you here for such a time as this. Um, in, in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a promise fulfilled, or when a dream is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. And you know, in the Word of God, it talks about the tree of life in the garden with Adam and Eve, and talks about the tree of life in Ezekiel and in Revelation. And it says that the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And so, you know, where there's been hope deferred, where there's been disappointment or, or, or failure to see breakthrough, where there's been something that's been ongoing, tormentation, you know, uh, harassing uh, constantly, chronic kind of a situation. Um, often people look at the symptoms and they look at, you know, well, uh, this is what I'm feeling. And it's actually, you need to, to stop looking at the symptoms and you need to go and look and see what is the root of it. And so... Um, I do believe that this is something that, that all of us have been touched by at various times in life where there has been, you know, something, uh, some kind of trauma, some kind of, 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 uh, of failure or brokenness or a wound or a, a bereavement, an actual bereavement, losing, a, you know, losing somebody. It causes an open door for grief and, and for bitterness. And the thing is, is that grief has all kinds of physical manifestations in the body. It can affect your organs. Right through the word of God, grief is very much linked with the eyes. Okay? So uh, you need to, to, to really, you know, and all of us, you know, when we're using our glasses and everything, well, the, the optician will tell you it's natural aging and wear and tear. But, you know, the, I don't think Moses had glasses. It says he was 120. His eyes had not dimmed and his frame was strong. Uh, and when I think about Moses, uh, what I think about, like I said earlier, he was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord with no food and no drink. Uh, he needed no, no food, no water, because when he was in the presence of God, everything he needed was there. So, you know, that thing of hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream or a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. That tree of life is, is representing God. The, the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, you know, and... Um, just to uh, yeah, keep your finger on Jeremiah 31, we're coming back there. If you go with me to Exodus chapter 15, just as a symbolic um, explanation here. In, in Exodus 15, uh, they had been brought out of slavery, out of bondage. They were overjoyed. Uh, they were rejoicing. They were just, you know, on a high. 
And suddenly, you know, as the days went on, they had no water. And so they were getting thirsty and, and of course, getting edgy. And like all human beings, you know, our human nature is, is to forget. And already they'd forgotten the mighty miracles they'd seen. And anyway, he brought them in uh, Exodus 15:22. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went a distance of three days, about 33 miles in the wilderness and found no water. So you can picture them. They're walking with three days and they're saying, we'll find water somewhere. We'll find water somewhere. Where's the water? Let's find some water. And they found no water. Then they came to Mara, but they could not drink its waters because they were bitter. That's where the word Mara comes from. Um, and it means bitter. And uh, therefore it was named Mara, bitter, okay? And verse 24, the people grew discontented and grumbled at Moses saying, what are we going to drink? And then he cried to the Lord for help and the Lord showed him a tree a branch of which he threw into the waters and the waters became sweet. So you've got this picture here of, of wilderness mentality, longing uh, for water, lacking. They, they, you know, they were severely in lack because three days without water, you're in trouble and your animals are certainly in trouble. You know, And um, you've got this picture here of, of the Lord showing Moses a tree. And he took a branch from that tree, threw it into the bitter water, which, you know, perhaps was, was I don't know what was making it bitter, but um, the water became sweet as a result. And so that's a picture of the cross. You know, what was bitter for us to have to endure, the, the consequences and the results of our sin. Jesus, by hanging on that cross, uh, turned the whole situation around and, and made, you know, us to be able to drink from living water. That's why he said, whoever thirsts, whoever drinks from this water, he told the woman at the well in John 4, he told her, if you drink from this water again, you're going to be thirsty again tomorrow and you're going to have to come back for more. But whoever drinks from me will never again thirst. And so the Lord made the water sweet. And there the Lord made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them or he proved them. Because you see, the three days after the miracle of crossing the Red Sea and three days without water was actually a test. And what happened in the test? They all started grumbling and muttering like we do. <laughs> Only, you know, now what happens that we know the Lord is that we tend to maybe grumble and mutter and then stop and say, oh Lord, forgive me, I grumbled and muttered. You know, whereas before we may have kept on grumbling and muttering. You know, coming to know the Lord and, and, and seeing that uh, there are days where you're walking through difficult situations or tests or trials, but, you know, the Lord is proving uh, your faith in him. And in 26 he said, if you will diligently listen and pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight and listen to his commandments and keep all of his precepts and statutes. I will not put upon you any of the diseases 
which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Amen. Here he revealed himself for the first time as Jehovah Rapha, God your healer. And that word keep there, if you will listen to uh, my commandments and keep them foremost in your thoughts and actively obey them. Uh, that word keep means give ear to or be careful how you tend it, almost like you tend brand new little plants. You know, when you, so you sow the seeds and then you suddenly see the little shoots coming up and maybe you've got to thin them, you have to keep them warm and, and you tend these plants. That's what that word keep means there, is that you, you tend to God's word and uh, nurture it, watch over it and meditate on it. The same, actually, that word keep there, it's the same word as Adam was told when he was told to keep the garden for the Lord. So you have to tenderly watch over God's word. And, um, you know, God wants to, to bring, uh, he wants to bring sweetness where there has been bitterness. Mm -hmm. um, in Ephesians chapter 4, we're still not in Jeremiah 31. Ephesians chapter 4, just to lay a foundation of, of scripture. Ephesians 4.31 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding, and slander be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, and malevolence. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So, you know, bitterness is, is associated uh, and is actually a consequence and a result of, of anger, wrath, strife, fault-finding, slander. These things cause, you know, uh, an open door to bitterness. And in Hebrews uh, chapter 12... Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification without which no one will ever see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment or bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. You see, bitterness, uh, what it does is it defiles and it corrupts uh, many, not just, not just the person involved. It actually, it's almost like throwing a pebble out on a still lake, and you see all those ripples going out, out, out. You know, bitterness has, has that um, power 
to, to corrupt and defile many. And um, in Jeremiah 31, just going to read this uh, in verse 3. It says, The Lord appeared to me from ages past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Will you say that with me? God, God you, have loved me you have loved me with an everlasting, with an everlasting love. love. Hallelujah. That's the truth. You know, I think it's the biggest obstacle for any of us to overcome is to receive the love of God, to truly receive the love of God. You know, we talk about it, we study it, we learn it, we hear about it, we sing about it, but to actually Understand that God loves you. That he, he loves you with an everlasting love. Unconditional, everlasting. And you know, life has taught people many harsh things. Has wounded people where perhaps they've had betrayal or broken relationships or abuse or, or pain or anguish caused by others. And it has almost trained that person to not trust God's love and to not be able to receive it then. But I believe that people will be instantly healed if they can really grasp. And, you know, I've been reading a lot lately in Romans chapter 8, how wide, how deep, uh, you know, the love of God is for us. We need to meditate on it and ponder on it. And you see, if you know that God loves you, uh, you, your whole outlook is going to be totally different. You'll suddenly start accepting yourself rather than criticizing yourself. You'll suddenly start loving and accepting other people rather than criticizing uh, them or being suspicious of them or, or whatever. You know, there's going to be a total, a totally um, like a, a personality transplant. Uh, that, that occurs when somebody can actually receive the love that God has for us and overcome all those lies that the devil has, has told you. Therefore, with loving kindness, he says, I have drawn you and continue my faithfulness to you. God is faithful. Again, I will build you and you will be rebuilt. O virgin Israel, you will again be adorned with your tambourines and timbrels and go out to the dances of those who celebrate. Uh, you know, this is God's promise to his people, Israel. And of course, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been grafted in now with Israel. So anytime you see uh, the Lord speaking to Israel there, he's speaking to all of us, to his people, you know, and... Um, You've got this picture of, of that when somebody is able to receive the love of God, that there is rejoicing and joy. That's why he says you'll be out with your timbrels and your tambourines. Um, praise God. You will plant vineyards in the mountains of Samaria. The planters will plant and enjoy abundant fruit in peace. Hallelujah. There will be a day when the watchmen on the hills of Ephraim cry out, Arise, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. And then it goes on there in verse, uh, just not for time, just to, to uh, read um, verse 8. Behold, I am bringing them out of the north country and I will gather them from the remote parts of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, the woman with child and who labors with childbirth together. A great company of them will return 
and they will come with weeping in repentance and for joy. You see, they're, they're, we, we can weep in repentance for, you know, for our sin and iniquity and the things of the past. And we weep for joy because of what God has done for us and because of what Jesus has saved us from. And by their prayer for the future, I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of water on a straight path in which they will not stumble. Hallelujah. You know, what a promise that God will make you walk by streams of water where you'll be nourished and looked after and, and protected, where you will not fall. For I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. And hear the word of the Lord, O you nations. He's talking not just to Israel, but to all the nations. And declare it in the isles and the coastlands far away. You know, uh, is this speaking about the, the British Isles of which we are part of? Is this speaking about, you know, because so many people think that, oh, the Bible is only about Israel and about, you know, the, the neighboring countries there. But... Um, I don't know, there, there is a story that Jeremiah came to Ireland. Uh, you can go and Google that and look it up for yourself. I don't know, you know, but I often think there's never any smoke without fire. But um, anyway, uh, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. God wants to keep you and your family. He wants to keep you as a shepherd keeps his flock. What does the shepherd do for the flock? He leads them to safe places. He leads them to where there's plenty of grass, plenty of nourishment, plenty of food, plenty of water. He leads them, it says in Psalm 23, by still waters. Why is that? So that the sheep won't drown. He won't lead them to a raging, you know, white, white water river. He'll lead them to where there's safe, uh, safe safety and, and protection. And uh, so, you know, this is what God wants to reveal himself to you. And, and for many people, it's hard to, to take that in. And, and that's because of strongholds of hostility uh, that have been built up in people's lives, where they have felt robbed, where they have felt bereft or grieved about something, uh, you know, that happened in life. Uh, and, and so that they have strongholds built up uh, because of other people hurting them or because they felt that God, you know, wounded them or hurted them, that, that their troubles came from him. And, and that has stopped people from receiving breakthrough. And you really need to, to look at, you know, that's why the, the word of God tells us in Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You know, and, and experiences that you perhaps have gone through in the past uh, where somebody has wounded you or where life was unfair or where there was some kind of an injustice or, or some kind of, of brokenness that you experienced. It can uh, make you build up walls and those walls are a self-protection mechanism. But what they actually do is they separate you and they isolate you. And they prevent you from being able to, to have this relationship face-to-face -face with God. And, and prevents people from having relationships with other people. It's, it's why marriages break down. It's because there's, there's, there's a lack of, of communication where somebody can say, I'm struggling here. And, and this is, is hard for me. And, and you know, maybe that, that they're, they're not being heard from the partner uh, or, or whatever. Or maybe there's some kind of violation or abuse going on that has wounded and grieved that person. So they've put up these walls. 
And I believe that today the Lord is speaking to you to let it go and to start tearing down those walls. He's putting a mallet into your hand. You know, one of those, whatever those things are called, the big thing, you know, that they pound walls down with. What are they called? Sledgehammer, yes, a sledgehammer. Well, the word of God is a sledgehammer for you to just pound and beat and batter down those walls, whatever they are, whether it's fear or terror or dread, these things have been prisons for God's people and have been, you know, that's why Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. You know, what is the freedom that we need? The freedom to be able to receive the love of God and to be able to be constantly in his presence, to know him as our healer, to know that he's the one who turns the bitter things sweet. Uh, to know that he is for you and that he's on your side, that he wants to comfort you. Why did Jesus say, look, I'm not going to leave you alone. I will send you the helper, the comforter. Why was that what he called the Holy Spirit? Because God wants to comfort you. We read it there originally in in Corinthians. He is the source of all comfort. And uh, sometimes maybe we've given God the cold shoulder because we don't want what's involved in the comfort. At times, it's facing things about ourselves. Facing things about, you know, the mindset that we have had and the attitude we've had towards God, towards others, and towards ourselves. Many people find it difficult, most of all, to forgive themselves. You know, they've been blaming themselves and holding something uh, as a, some kind of a little, uh, you know, seal on their heart uh, that has constantly reminded them of what a, a useless, good, no good loser you are. And, and it's, it's something like that you need to let go because it has caused you to be bereft. And... Um, this is what I heard, anyway. Look, uh, over the page, actually, let me see, where is this again? Um, yeah, in, let's keep going here, sorry now. In verse 12, no, verse 11. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. You know, God has redeemed you from your enemies that had a stronger, mightier arm than you for whatever reason, wherever the devil got access, whether it's something generationally coming down the generations, God has already redeemed you and he, he came to set you free. And uh, what happens as a result of that? They will come and sing aloud and shout for joy on the height of Zion and will be radiant. Here's that word again. With weeks and weeks, this is all I'm thinking about. The word radiant. They will be radiant with joy over the goodness of the Lord. Okay? Imagine the goodness of God leads to radiance. Okay, think about this. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 33 when Moses said, Lord, um, you know, the people want to go, but I don't want to go unless you come with us. And the Lord said, go, go, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. He said, no, I'm not going unless you come with us. And the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, I know you, Moses. I know you by name. He, wasn't ta- he was leaving the rest of them out of it. And this is how he wants to speak to you today. He wants to tell you, I know you. I know, he knows you personally. You know, there's that great song by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. It says, he knows my name. Hallelujah. God knows you by name. It's how, 
through the Bible, you see where people have had encounters with the Lord and he called them by name. He called Mary by name at the tomb. He called Cornelius by the name, by his name. When the angel came to Cornelius, he said, Cornelius, he called him by his name. God knows you by name. And he wants to heal those areas uh, where, where the devil has subdued you and trapped you. And um, he wants to bring radiance. Well, what happened there when Moses said, uh, was talking to the Lord in that conversation? You can read it yourself later in Exodus 33 and 34. Um, it says that the Lord said, uh, let me think, Moses said, will you show me your glory? Show me your glory then if you're going to come with us. And the Lord said, I will make my goodness pass over you. So God's glory is his goodness. And we've just read here uh, that there's a radiance that comes from the goodness of God. Now what was Moses, or what was God talking about there in Exodus 33? He said, my presence will go with you. What happened to Moses when he went up on the mountain to get those, uh, the tablets of the commandments and he spent that 40 days with the Lord? He needed no food, no water. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. And when he came down, his face shone with such radiance that the people said, will you push something over your face? The light is blinding. Moses' face reflected the glory and the presence of God because he had been in his presence. And so this is what God wants us. He wants us to come into this relationship, to know him as comforter. Okay? You know, long ago when we were little, maybe you had a dodo, a binky, or a, a pacifier, a, a dummy. Uh, or maybe you had a blanky. Uh, tell you a funny one, I, I have a lot of brothers. Uh, but one of them, uh, the second youngest one, he is such a little, quite, really fabulous fella when he was young. Uh, he was just really docile and everything. And he had this, this reckless blanket. Well, if you saw it, it was mink. Uh, and, and all of the, the threads had all come away so that they were all like big, long lines sticking out of the blanket. And... Uh, my mom's aunt came home from America <laughs> and decided to do a bit of housework and washed the blanket and came out of the wash and then snipped off all the edges. And he, it's the only time I can ever remember that child complaining. He came up and cried to mom and he said, she cut off all my tickets. <laughs> you know, and, and like that was his... That was his comfort. It was his blankie. And, and the, what we thought were reckless looking dirty things but never did anything about was actually what he tickled himself at night in the face to put himself to sleep. You know, she cut off all my tickles, he said. And it was, it was devastating, you know. But the thing is, like, you know, we've all had things that comfort. People take comfort in drink. People take comfort in, 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 in loads of kind of different things because it softens the, the heart, you know, the feelings of, of being bereft, of being bereaved and sorrowful. But because of being in the presence of God, there's a radiance. And, and that's what we're looking for. That's what we, we're, we're desperate, Lord. We are desperate for your presence. And we are desperate to be vessels that reflect your glory and your love. But in order to do that, we need to spend time and get alone with him and, and allow him to break down those walls and those strongholds where we have been imprisoned. 
in our thinking, in our mindsets, in our heart and attitude. Because let me think, what would life look like for you? Think about this. What would life look like for you if you actually believed everything that you read in the Word of God about what Jesus says about you? About that you are more than a conqueror. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That you are an overcomer. That you are washed and cleansed and right with God. That you are healed by His stripes. That, that, you know, that there is nothing impossible to you. That you have been provided for with everything you need. And that he will meet every need you have more than abundantly, more than you could ever even ask or dream of. What would your life look like if you actually started living that way? Come on now, straighten up your shoulders and think about this. Come on. This is what the Lord, he's challenging you. To come up higher, he's challenging you, he's, he's calling you, come up higher, come on. You know, he, he, he tells us that uh, he wants, here we read earlier in, in Exodus that he proved their faith. Well, it's your faith is the vessel. And as you release your faith, you say, I trust you, Lord. And what you said is right. I'm not a worm. I'm not a loser. I'm not hopeless. I'm not a failure. I'm not uh, going to be forever sick. I'm not going to go down the same road as what my father did. I'm not going to go down the, the same road. Uh, you know, this is not going to happen because your word says the opposite. And I'm going to believe your word because your word is true. Yes, Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So uh, here's where the radiance comes from. Over the goodness of God. That's in verse 12. For the grain, the new wine, and the oil. You know, the grain represents provision there. The wine represents the anointing. And the oil represents the Holy Spirit. The vessel by which the anointing flows. And for the young of the flock and the herd. And their life will be like a watered garden. Will you say that? My life will be like a watered garden. And I will never sorrow. Or languish again. Okay, what's that word languish mean? You know, uh, languish means uh, something that is totally uh, defeated and, and, and dying, actually. I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, I was sick there a year and a half ago. I, I was put into hospital. Uh, and the second time I was put into hospital, I was like, uh, looked half dead. I wasn't half dead, but I looked it. And uh, my husband went in. I couldn't get out of the car. He ran into the A&E and came out with this chair, wheelie thing, and put me in it. <laughs> and when I think of it now, uh, I, I was inside there. He pushed me in. <laughs> and, and that's the way I went in, like that. And he pushed me <laughs> and left me in the corner while he went over to the desk to do the dealings. And I got his eyes lying there like this. And I was crying away softly to myself. <laughs> And there was a poor young guy next to me, and I felt so sorry for him because I said, this is embarrassing. Like, but I, I, I just I physically couldn't. But, you know, when they brought me in then and, and put me on a drip, you know, um, and then, like, after about an hour on the drip, I was coming up here. After about three hours on the drip, I was sitting up here. After about four or five hours of whatever second drip there was on, uh, a lady came around and said, I hadn't eaten in three weeks. I had hardly drank, and a, a lady came around and said, would you like a sandwich? And I was saying, I haven't eaten in three weeks. And she said, try it anyway. And, you know, so that was languishing. And I'll tell you, there are many Christians that are languishing. They're just barely breathing, just barely breathing. 
And God wants to pump you and, and revive you yeah. with his love and his power. Yeah. And this is what he's saying here, that there will be radiance and joy as you understand his goodness and his love for you. Yeah. I have loved you, he said, yeah. with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. And he says in verse 13, I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice after their sorrow. So you see, all of these things that have gone on in the past that have grieved you, that have caused you sorrow and where they have perhaps been bitter, you know, what you need to do is what we read in Ephesians to just renounce that bitterness uh, repent of having any bitter root that has sprung up, uh, any corruption or defilement that it has caused to renounce it and break it off your life and ask the Lord to, to bring you to that place where he is your comforter. Uh, you know, and where he is the one who ministers his love to you. And it says in 14, I will fully satisfy the souls of the priests with abundance and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. And, uh, you know, that's just what I was feeling is that many people have, have felt so bereaved. And in verse, um, how are we doing with time? Okay, not too much. Uh, in verse... 15. This is interesting. A voice is heard in Ramah, says the Lord. Lamentation, songs of mourning, and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. Okay, so this is, you know, we can refuse to be comforted by God. There can be rebellion in people's hearts and, and, and say, well, I'm not going there and I'm not, you know, I, I, I can't face that or, or this is not me. Though no, those things never happen to me. That's, that's totally, you know, and, and refusing to be comforted. And uh, just to go back, the word bereft, it means to be deprived or robbed. Where you have been deprived of something or robbed of something of the possession or the use of something. To be bereft means, uh, you know, where you've been robbed of joy. How many people can identify with this? I always feel like I'm the only one in here, and all of you are like, look at me like, what is wrong with her? You know? <laughs> I don't think that's true. You know, you, you have been. And maybe sometimes, uh, I was just thinking that, like, you know, when you go to the recycling, the, 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 the council recycling place, and you can put in the big, huge things of cardboard into this compactor, and then you, you, you've got, like, the, the cardboard is, like, nearly reaching up 10 feet high, and then you press the button, and it just compresses down the cardboard and makes it come out into a little pack like this, and you say, that's just amazing. Well, that's what many of us have done with our emotions and with our uh, wounds and griefs, griefs that we have encountered uh, down through the years, is that we have compacted them down. Just like the way you jump on the bin to push down so you can fit in the next week's uh, rubbish inside there. You know? And, and the thing is, is that that is what is at the root of so many sicknesses, so many uh, pains, aches, failure, brokenness, sadness, depression. All these things are only symptoms. But it is, a, you know, a, a root of bitterness that has come about from being bereft, from being bereaved of something. 
so bereft also means, you know, to be lacking that some, something that's needed, wanted or expected. And in Old English, the word bereft means to plunder. And this is how many people have, you know, you have been plundered in your life. And plunder is a very aggressive, violent word. You have been plundered or robbed or stripped. And, you know, that word stripped, it, it involves, you know, indignity. is something happening to your dignity, being humiliated or shamed in some way. And so it needs to be tackled and renounced and, and repented of and, 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 you know, broken off. Um, as well, that word bereft in the Old English, it means uh, to be plundered, robbed, stripped, often suddenly and unexpectedly. And that's how the enemy comes in. You know, it says that the enemy comes in uh, like a thief. And um, the Lord said that if the master of the house knew what time the thief was going to break in, he would have been up watching the door and the thief wouldn't have got in. And this is how the enemy operates. He comes in and, and like a steamroller hits somebody or hits a family or hits a situation. And it's like that, you know, it just takes the legs from under somebody. Those things need to be healed. God wants to heal you. He wants to comfort you. Um, it means to be empty or lacking, lost dreams, lost hopes. You know, people who had dreams, dreams of how their life was going to work out, and it didn't work out that way. That causes a feeling of being bereft. And it opens a door. Being bereft opens a door for sadness, for depression. And as I say, these are only symptoms. They're the symptoms. They're not the root. Yeah. Deal with the root and the symptoms will disappear. Yeah. It opens a door for unending, overwhelming grief that's always there. And, you know, that's how you'll notice that is in how people speak, in, in negative responses, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? So if there's a lot of, of negative words or negative chatter or negative responses, you're getting an indication of what's inside in the heart, what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance, the heart, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in abundance in the heart is what's coming out of the mouth. That's why he said, by their fruits, you'll know them. And so God wants to heal people from that, from, from negative responses. It opens the door for unloving spirits. Spirits that, that cause a person not to love themselves or not to love their neighbor or not to love God. So where people are finding it hard to love others or to love God or to trust you know, trust others or trust God, you need to start looking at myself and see, is there an unloving spirit? Because Do I love myself? And this goes back to what I said there. What if we lived our lives according that the word of God was true? How different would we be? We'd be bold and courageous. We'd be full of confidence. We wouldn't be inferior. We wouldn't be worried about what people are thinking about us. We wouldn't be worried about, you know, the reactions of other people. We would be, uh, you know, just confident that God loves us and that what he says is true. Okay? This needs to be dealt with and it needs to be healed because that unloving spirit is a dirty one. It's a dirty one. 
It opens the door to suicide spirits, spirits of hopelessness and death. Even death wishes, thinking, you know, God, I'd be better off dead. You know, God, uh, uh, that that family now, they'd be better off if he died and if he wasn't in all that trouble. Or he, he, you know, it, it, it opens the door to these kind of, these are thoughts and thinking that the enemy contaminates people with. It opens the door to to people, you know, hurting others. Suicide spirits, spirits of death, hopelessness. It opens the door to unending failure where nothing ever works out. Somebody is all fun and, and full of life and this is going to be brilliant. And then suddenly it just fizzles out. Just failure on every level. That's, you know... It's going back to being deprived of, of joy and, and uh, um, what else? It opens the door to a lying spirit. And that's the spirit that brings people into bondage. And that's the spirit that builds up those strongholds. You'll never, you'll never be able to, uh, you know, you'll never meet anybody. Uh, that's never going to work out. You're, you're, you're never going to make anything of yourself. Look at, look at uh, him over there. Look at her over there. Oh, my God, they have everything together. You? No. That's a lying spirit, and it needs to be violently opposed. You know, for so long we have entertained those uh, those thoughts. We have uh, allowed the enemy to tantalize us with the with these these you know uh, bad thoughts, bad mindsets, and bad attitudes. We've been seduced and deceived into believing a lie, and it is the total opposite of the truth. Hallelujah. So um, it, it doesn't matter where it came from, um, whether it was a loss of childhood, maybe a loss of happiness, maybe it was a loss of some kind of, of being bereaved by losing somebody uh, very dear, very close. Maybe it was being betrayed by somebody, being betrayed in a relationship or being betrayed by a friend. You know, whatever it was that caused a loss of dreams, um, it can cause this bitterness because it makes people look at others and say, they're getting on way better than I, Uh, you know, it works way better for them. And it can cause somebody to be blinded by grief or disappointment, be blinded by jealousy or anguish, you know, um, where where that person feels forgotten, where they feel rejected. Um... And, you know, as I said, it can be buried deep inside, but the effect is seen on the outward life. And so, uh, you know, praise God. <laughs> Let's pray, okay? And uh, renounce this thing if it's, if it's applicable to you. Let's break bread. Um, I just want to read um, a testimony by Harold Dewberry. Um, if, you, if you do find any of his, uh, you will find them on, on YouTube. Harold Dewberry, D-E-W-B-E-R-R-Y, Dewberry. He ministered here many times, but... Oh, I'm going to... Oh, thanks, Tony. Thank you. But uh, he ministered here a few times, um, years gone by. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but what a, a man to understand, you know, the root causes. See, look, we come, uh, you know, people go to the doctor, uh, and they come even to church for prayer. We come for prayer for the symptoms, and what we need is to get to understand the root. And then all the symptoms will disappear, you know. And um, it, this is, I, I just picked this up this morning, actually. And um, I wanted to read this, this testimony because I feel, you know, 
You remember a couple of weeks ago we read that scripture, it's in Jeremiah as well, that the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And what that means is that, you know, what parents uh, experience and even, you know, um, down the bloodline, grandparents, I'm not talking about necessarily my parents or you know, your parents, it could be grandparents, great-grandparents, but it can be an iniquity that comes down the generations, and that can be affecting uh, you, you know, it can be affecting, it can be the, the root cause of some kind of sickness or disease or something that somebody's battling. But, um, so that's what it means, that the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, that the effect of what happened to the parents is manifested in the children's lives. And this is a biblical principle because it's seed time and harvest. And also the Lord said, you know, in Exodus 20, that uh, for those who, who worship false gods or bow down to them, that iniquity is visited down to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, says the Lord. Well, if you think about that, uh, if it, because children tend to do what they see their parents doing. And so they learn, you know, as they say, learn by doing. And so it, it's handed then to the next generation and the next generation. Well, if the iniquity is to the third and fourth generations, well, then that iniquity is, keeps passing down. Uh, and even though maybe one generation don't do what the parents did, yet they are still involved and, and experiencing the results and the, and the repercussions of that generational curse, even though that, that person had, you know, never did that. So this is why it's important to understand how to pray for iniquities to be broken off of you and that it stops now at the blood of Jesus and no longer will it continue through the next generations, okay? But here, um, this is just an illustration where he, actually, Pastor Harold was talking about uh, bitterness in this book. And he said, a young woman, Karen, entered our community home uh, he had a kind of a community home where hopeless cases were sent to him by a lot of local doctors in the area. Very often mental health issues, but often physical ailments as well, uh, where, where there was just no hope for these people. And so, um, you know, they worked a lot with local uh, clinicians and they would often refer somebody to them because they said, there's nothing we can do for them. And um, so this woman entered their community home suffering from cervical cancer. By revelation of the Holy Spirit, that means when they, they spent time with her, you know, what happened was they would come in and, and they would minister the word of God to them and pray and, and just the Holy Spirit would give words of knowledge and, and, you know, things would be revealed from the past. It's always from the past. Anyway... It was revealed that her condition was psychogenetic and that her mother carried great bitterness in her heart against her father. Okay? So it was nothing to do with this girl. It actually, uh, her, her mother had had this bitterness in her heart towards her father, towards the woman's father, uh, towards the girl's father. This generational iniquity of bitterness was carried down through the generations to Karen, and it was the root cause of her cancer. Karen was instantly healed of the cancer when she renounced the curse of bitterness that came down through the bloodline from her parents. Okay? And just to show you that in Scripture, in Exodus chapter 34, 
This is just something you need to look at um, because many times people are dealing with, with very heavy, difficult circumstances and there seems to be no answers and no breakthrough. In uh, <clears throat> six, Exodus 34, 6, it's actually what I was talking about earlier where the Lord, where, where Moses said, show me your glory. Um, anyway, going on from that, um, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Hallelujah. Okay, so I really encourage you to read those, that, that, that scripture in Exodus 33 and 34, uh, Moses' interactions with God. But that bitterness had actually manifested in the next generation in cancer in, this, in the daughter's life and was instantly healed. Now, he wasn't lying. You know, these were in, uh, actual um, evidenced, um, what was I going to say, documented miracles. He also gave another one. Kay was suffering from Crohn's disease. And these are, their names are changed, obviously. A dangerously debilitating bowel condition. She had suffered with this condition for over 15 years. Although much prayer had been offered, no healing had manifested. In personal counseling, Kay was asked if there was a root of bitterness in the maternal bloodline. She affirmed that she had bitterness towards her husband and that both her mother and grandmother had similar negative emotional experiences which had caused them bitterness towards their husbands too. As Kay took accountability for her own bitterness and renounced the generational sin of bitterness of her mother and grandmother, she received manifestation of physical healing from long-term Crohn's disease. Hallelujah. Amen. So Lord, we praise you that you're the God of miracles and there is nothing impossible to you. And Lord, I pray today that each person in this place, you know, I'm not saying that this is what is at the root of all your problems, but I... I I would be very surprised if there isn't an element of it in, in people, you know. And as I say, this is just something the Lord is dealing with me with. So as we break bread, we're going to pray and renounce it. Amen. One further thing is, is that in Acts chapter 8, I don't know if you remember... When Simon, this guy who sort of had a type of a psychic spirit, he was following around Peter and, and all of them. And um, he asked Peter, uh, you know, I want what you have. And Peter, I think it was Peter, it was a Paul, I can't remember now. Peter, thanks, Eileen. Um, that Peter discerned that uh, there was a, a, an unclean spirit in operation there. Um, I'll just... I'll read a few exactly because it's talking about 
a necromancing spirit and that it, it can um, uh, he was a sorcerer uh, kind of like a, a medium or psychic type uh, thing and um, when Simon saw in 18 that, that the spirit had been given to the apostles, they laid their hands on people. He offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will, be, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking that God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness. Uh, and pray to the Lord perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you are full of bitterness and jealousy and are held captive by iniquity um, and, and that word iniquity there translates to meaning uh, of those who have gone before and so that almost there's even like a soul tie to those who are dead and that bitterness can come from that area and that feeling, you know, and, and you can see it, you know, because we often say it with people who are maybe negative or something. And you say, God, the apple doesn't drop far from the tree anyway. You know, the mother was the same before her or, or whatever. Like, you know, and, and so it can be soul ties, too, that need to be renounced and broken. Okay, so as we pray, uh, let's say this together. Lord Jesus, I take this bread today in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that it represents as a symbol of your body that was broken for me so that I could be healed. Lord Jesus, you endured the cross. You endured the beating the scoffing, the rejection, the isolation, the anguish, all for me, so that I could be healed. I confess that you are the Son of God, and Lord Jesus, I now renounce all bitterness, all feeling of being bereft, and all of the consequences of that. I renounce any spirit of necromancy, any spirit of death, any spirit of fear, of bitterness or corruption that has come upon me through this. And in the name of Jesus, I break it. Understanding, so that I can see things from God's point of view. I pray that my outward life will show forth genuine Christian fruit, which men will see, and I can bring credit to your holy name. And I pray that you would strengthen me from your boundless resources. You are the source of all comfort so that I can find myself able to pass through every experience and enjoy, and enjoy the, blessings the blessings of your presence. 
endure it with joy and radiate your goodness, your love, your peace and your power. I eat this bread. I eat healing and wholeness into my heart and my mind. And I break off all bereavement, all sense of loss. And no longer will I rely entertain it. In Jesus' name. Now what you've got to do is you've got to watch for this. You've got to watch for it. You know, when you, when you speak, you know, if, if something comes up, and, and like you find yourself with a negative response, you've got to stop right there and say, no, I'm not going down that road. Because God, you are the source of my comfort. Amen. You are the one who comforts me. Amen. You love me with an everlasting love. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. I am an overcomer. Amen. You've got to speak the word of God to yourself and pronounce it in the devil's face and say, no longer am I falling for your lies. Amen. I am not sick. I refuse to be sick. I refuse to be um, given you know, a negative diagnosis. I refuse to think that my family is a failure and, and is always going to be a failure. I refuse to, to accept those jealous thoughts or envious thoughts of other people that they're doing so well and I'm not. I'm not going down that road anymore because they're lies. Okay? This is what you've got to do. Um, the battle is not yours, it's God, God's. But you've got to show up on the battlefield, you know, and you've got to arm yourself. And praise God. And so as we take the cup, We'll say this, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, thank you I thank you for washing me, for washing, me washing out my mindset, out my mindset cleansing me, cleansing me from, all corruption, from all corruption, from all iniquities, from all iniquities even, coming down the generations. even coming down the generations. I thank you for your blood, you for your blood that has made me righteous. Made me righteous. And, I and I declare today that every bondage, that every, bondage every stronghold, every stronghold of Fear, of, fear, of, bitterness, of bitterness, of lack, of lack and, of loss. and of loss. I declare it stops today. I renounce all idolatry and I ask you to forgive me for making idols out of people or out of sicknesses or situations or making an idol out of fear. I choose today to have my mindset and my attitude washed by the blood of Jesus. And I proclaim that I have a new mindset because I am a new creation. In Christ. in Christ, behold, the old is gone, the old, the old is gone. and the new has come. And, the new has come. and I, I declare, and I, declare I, can do all things I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who, strengthens who strengthens me. I am an overcomer. I am, overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. Than a conqueror. And, by stripes, and by your stripes, Jesus, I am healed. I, am healed. I receive your love today, I Father. Love today, Father. I, am I am your child. And I ask you, Give me the understanding to start living like it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I challenge you. I challenge you today. 
to go out and start living like it. Today, I declare, is a day of breakthrough. And I tell you, let it go. Let it go, no matter what it is. And you know, there's been things where, and this is all of us, the devil has been tormenting us. He's been harassing. He has been, you know, pummeling people and pounding them for years sometimes in various different areas. You know, with different people, what affects you might not affect me. And what affects me might have no effect whatsoever on him or on her. But the thing is, is that there's one common denominator, and it's the lies of the devil. And so I challenge you to, to start walking and living in the truth and believing it and acting. <laughs> not acting, but living that it is true. In Jesus' name, amen.
blessing. I pray this blessing now over everyone in this room, all our families and loved ones, wherever they are. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus.